From CPR News, this is Colorado Matters. The Coach Prime effect has catapulted CU Boulder into the national spotlight. But some students say it doesn't really reflect the Black experience on campus. Sometimes it does feel like an overwhelmingly white environment. You kind of, wow, you know, I never see any diversity when I go out. I was in STEM. Most of my friends were in STEM. No Black faculty, absolutely none. I uh, felt like I really couldn't connect to any of the professors. We'll talk about diversity, inclusion, and representation on CU's flagship campus. Diversity does matter and it does pay dividends. There's no downside to us working to really increase who we are as a collective organization. And how school leaders say they're putting words into action. We have to be okay with admitting that there are times that we may have fallen short and figure out how we regroup in a way that allows them to feel centered and seen. In the late summer, male deer, elk, and moose are often seen with red shreds and ribbons hanging from their antlers. It's not necessarily the result of a gory fight. Instead, they're peeling off the velvet that coats spring antlers. Velvet is actually skin, complete with blood vessels to carry nutrients to growing antlers, the fastest growing bones in existence. On elk, they grow an inch a day. Moose can gain as much as a pound of antler every day. During the rut, the rattle of antlers echoes in Colorado forests and mountains. After breeding, bucks and bulls shed the heavy racks they no longer need to move a little more easily as they turn their attention to grazing enough to make it through the winter. Look for shed antlers on your next hike in the woods and keep your eyes open even wider for a glimpse of an animal with the rarest antlers in all the West, the legendary jackalope. A Colorado postcard from CPR with the support of National Jewish Health. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Chandra Thomas-Whitfield. I actually laughed out loud during Saturday Night Live recently when Kenan Thompson put on sunglasses, a University of Colorado sweatshirt, and hat and did a Deion Sanders impression on Weekend Update. He started coaching a career right at, at Jackson State, which is a, an HBCU or historically black college, right? Very good, Colin. <laughs> Oh, good. You know, I truly believe that God called me there. And he said, this is your destiny. Right. And then three years later, you went to Chicago. I mean, it's just Colorado. Yes. Yes, that's right. Because God called me again and was like, my bad. <laughs> and then he showed me the promised land of Colorado. I had these visions, Colin, a place where there was white people. Like, every single person was white. <laughs> I mean, not, not many people know this, but Colorado is an HWCU, or historically white college. The parody really hit a note because lately, Boulder is being touted as a center of black culture. And, well, it's so unlikely, especially when you consider that just under 3% of students on campus identify as black or African-American. And the Black population in the city of Boulder is even smaller. The news magazine 60 Minutes asked Deion Sanders recently what he thought of Colorado when he got here. What are your first impressions? Uh, beautiful. Unbelievable. Just the whole peace and serenity of it all. I never fathomed coming here. I ain't never even vacationed here, man. I ain't never been skiing or whatever you call it, or snowboarding or whatever, all the stuff. You know, I ain't never done none of that. You don't even fly fish. 
No, I don't. I fish. I fly why I fish, but I don't fly <laughs> fish. <laughs> and yet he's inspiring many Black people from across the country to visit and take notice of CU for the first time ever. But the experience Coach Prime has inspired contrasts with other experiences on campus. For example, a couple of graduate students, backed by hundreds of supporters, recently signed a letter of support for four women of color professors in CU's School of Education, who felt they were pushed out due to a hostile work environment. I recently visited the Boulder campus to hear some firsthand experience of what some say it's like to be Black at CU during Dion Mania. I ended up having two really enlightening conversations with people I just met. First, Nandi Pointer. She's a third-year Ph.D. student in media studies, studying black male identity. I find that extra interesting that you're studying that you also chose the University of Colorado Boulder to study this. Why CU Boulder? Really, it's kind of interesting. It was a fluke. I was teaching in Saudi Arabia when I applied, and I had my list of places, and then I was really done. And I saw CU's program, and I looked over it, and I saw a couple of professors, Sandra Rostovska, and she focuses on images and human rights. And within the law, the context of the law sparked from the Rodney King situation up through to today with George Floyd and all of that. So I found that really interesting and compelling. And then Nabil Echichaibe, and he's a Moroccan scholar here in media studies. So those two professors and their work really pulled me to see you because I had never, ever thought that I would live in Colorado <laughs> All I saw was too, Boulder, <laughs> and then I saw like one of the best places to live with the most sunshine. So I thought, well, there's no diversity, but at least it's really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So really, the educational environment is what drew you to CU Boulder. That's the only reason I came is because of the professors that I saw in my department, the um, work they were doing, and my thinking that I would like to work with them. What did you know about Boulder? I just knew that it was, it's almost, almost 100% white. It's almost exclusively white. And I knew that it was really pretty in the mountains. And that's really all I knew. When I saw the campus, I saw the professors, I was like, I'm going to be in a PhD program. That's also the difference. I'm not undergrad. Yeah. So I, I knew I wasn't going to really be socializing that much anyway. So, Well, I did a fellowship <laughs> here in 2013 to 14. And very similar situation, knowing, you know, I was married, kids, right, you're not so hanging out per se. And but I was in classes with undergrads. So I was really kind of getting a sense of their experiences and stuff. So how is Boulder what you expected versus how it has been? It was very much what I expected. Um, I expected it to be. I mean, sometimes it does feel like an overwhelmingly white environment. I mean, you do notice it after months. You kind of, wow, you know, I never see any diversity when I go out or very rarely. So that is, you know, it's been an adjustment because I was in an environment over, overseas in Saudi Arabia where there was a lot of diversity. There were a lot of uh, African-American teachers, Canadian, people from New Zealand, people from Africa. But I've, you know, I lived in Iowa as a middle school kid and in very different diverse environments. So I'm kind of used to that too. You've been on this campus three years. How would you say it has evolved from when you started to now? This year has been kind of like the firecracker year, I would say. Before, it was kind of just moving along at a steady pace of what I pretty much expected. And then this year, it's like to have CU so in the news 
on the one hand, you're proud in a way. It's like my university is getting media attention. It just makes you feel a sense of co buffs, you know. <laughs> but um, on the other side, you know, you're kind of, as a researcher, you're unpacking kind of what does this mean in the larger picture in a sense because the campus is so predominantly white and there's so much attention being given to Coach Prime. So you're kind of trying to parse out, is that positive? Is that all positive? And I think it is in the sense of the representation part. I think it's great because it's making black people even look at considering coming here, I think, in a way. Students that probably didn't before just because of the attachment to him and diversity is like step by step. I think because this community has been one way for so long for it to become more diverse, it's going to take a lot of time. But I think where it sits now also with the issues that are going on in the School of Education and those female African-American professors kind of feeling, I don't know all the details, but being pushed out in a way or feeling minimized in a way or just not comfortable. You know, a lot of people say it's hard to retain people here because, like I said, over time you do start to feel the weight of that. And I can't imagine being in a professional context and also there feeling isolated or not heard or not seen in a way. So it's a really interesting dichotomy to have this positive hype, commodification, all this money he's gotten for the school, and then to see these professors feeling totally isolated and pushed out. And so that says to me, the media hype is kind of surface. And those issues that have been institutionalized and intrinsic to this institution are still there and very much still need to be addressed. What is your assessment of this kind of dichotomy of the attention and the lack of diversity? Do you have a sense that CU is doing enough or anything differently now? No, I don't, sadly. I mean, I feel like there's a big push right now with DEI and diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think there's been the hiring of a Native American scholar professor recently. So those are small steps. And But sometimes they feel performative when you have that. And then a couple months later, all these professors leave and the dean steps down. It just feels like it's not enough. You know, and I feel like even with Coach Prime, what was it, 90 million or something that he's brought to the school already? And I don't see that trickling down to the students. Like, we don't even get one free ticket to a game as a CU student. They're two, three hundred, four dollars. I have heard that sentiment. Tickets, and you're like, my, what I pay to come here doesn't get me one ticket to kind of take part of this. So that's when you feel like, what is it really about? Who is it really for? Who is it serving? So in that sense, I mean, I think the attention is good because as an undergrad, you want to go, you want your team to be good and you want to get hyped up. That's like the youthful spirit of just memories and, you know, turning up, which I'm sure the students here like to do. But yeah, in terms of the more deeper intrinsic issues that I think are embedded within the university, it kind of makes me think that those are still not really being addressed. And the university even hasn't really, I haven't heard a lot come out about them speaking to what these teachers were saying they experienced and trying to say, no, that was not the case, or we're doing our own internal investigation to see what this culture is like or why they felt that way. I think that speaks to a culture that's been going on there. That doesn't just happen overnight. What could slash should the university be doing to foster a sense of belonging among Black students on the CU Boulder campus, in your view? Well, I think one thing that has happened has been due to um, Dr. Rabaka, and that is the cause. With the Center for African and African-American Studies. Yes, that has been a phenomenal space that he's created. And every time you step into it, you feel welcome. 
He's friendly and welcoming at home. All the staff is welcoming. There's food around. There's events. There's speakers. There's lectures. There's music. There's games. Just all those things that build community in a very organic and you know, meaningful way. So it sounds like you think that's the biggest step the university has taken by opening this center for African-African-American studies, a.k.a. the cause. That's the biggest step I've seen. I mean, maybe they see bringing Coach Prime as a big step um, in terms of visibility and media representation. Yes. But in like sometimes, you know, things can feel like almost they're being used as a mask to detract from, like I said, those deeper institutional issues. And so I just find it really interesting that these two events kind of coincided with one another. Well, I'm just curious, based on your research, being specifically about imagery of black men. And so you have Coach Prime, you have his son Shadur, you have the athletes. What are your thoughts about the imagery going on here in, in Boulder? And there's on one hand of me where I like the imagery because I think that black male representation in a positive way in terms of, you know, what he's very positive in his talk and very God focused and you can do it. It's your mindset. And what do you smell on me? That's confidence. And, you know, just all the one liners. <laughs> and of which, course, uh, where's, my, where's my theme music? Too? <laughs> right, right. Where's my theme music? Bringing in the celebrities. But like I said, as a researcher, we're always kind of supposed to be more critical of things. And so then I think. Is it, again, like a representation of allowing black people to be successful in a certain space? So as athletes, as performers, to me, Meaning kind of, more athletics and not academics, per right, se. Right. For the black female faculty to feel like they, you know, not just one, but as a collective almost, to feel like we need to leave this space. They didn't feel welcome. Mm-hmm. So it means in that, and is that because of they were black women? That's what has to be examined within that department and larger in the institution because- I think that Boulder could use a little bit more diversity and not just in sports. So what do you see for the future for CU Boulder and black students on this campus? Well, I see a positive future. I always like to think positively. And so I think with people like Dr. Rabaka and the cause and his passion, and maybe this can be a reckoning point and a turning point. You know, sometimes something coming to the surface, almost rupturing out, makes it more visible. You know, and so maybe there can be some changes that are taken within the institution as a whole to make black faculty feel more welcome. You know, and maybe they can give us some free uh, tickets to the game. (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone's uh, searching for those tickets. So it's definitely impactful. But I guess the question is, how deeply are they going into this? Is it going to be a photo op and a sports moment or is the campus leadership going deeper and really examining the black experience here and how to make it more welcoming and supportive to black students. Definitely, I completely agree. And maybe, you know, Coach Prime can also be a part of that, you know, because he has the ear and he has people's eyes on him. So it's kind of like what he wants to bring to the surface also Mm -hmm. as something that's important to him might influence the university as a whole because he is doing a lot monetarily for CU Boulder. (laughs) Are you aware that there is an opening for CU Boulder campus chancellor? And do you think they should be prioritizing a person of color and or a black person for that role? I think that they should definitely 
honestly let a black person be competitive is what I would say. Do you think that could make a difference maybe for a student experience, graduate or undergraduate, on faculty to feel that they have a representation in that way? I mean, most definitely. I mean, even as a student, you know, I can still say that the only black male teacher I had all the way through until I got to Howard University was in the fourth grade, Mr. Davidson. And seeing yourself reflected in the community of professors on the webpage, it makes you feel like that might be a space that's ready to include you. When you don't see any women of color, any or one, you know, you try to bond with her, it might not work out. You need, you need options of people that might see, you know, because people who reflect you back, sometimes they see you differently. Sometimes they can relate to your personal experiences and your lived experiences in a different way and see what's inside of you to pull it out. So you need diversity on um, university campuses. What are your plans after you complete your schooling here at CU Boulder? I am completing a multimodal dissertation, so it will have a documentary component and a written component. Um, and I plan to hopefully be an assistant professor at a wonderful institution and continue being See able- you Boulder? Yeah, <laughs> see you Boulder would be awesome. I love the, the um, I love my department here and all the professors are so wonderful. It's a really, I feel really lucky because it doesn't just have to be black. If where their head is, what they care about, you know. What so it's really working. about a welcoming environment. Right. In general. In general. And choosing to have faculty and staff that are focused and prioritized treating students in that way. Definitely. All students. All students in that way. I mean, diversity helps. It does make you pause when you look at the entire department. And there's no one who looks like you. So that just, I feel like we need more diversity in academia. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. <laughs> thank you for having me. Nandi Pointer is a third-year PhD student in media studies at CU Boulder. Today we're talking about what some say it's like being a Black person on the CU Boulder campus. The arrival of Coach Prime has catapulted the football team and the school into the national spotlight. But some current and former students say there's still a lot of work to be done to help students of color, especially Black students, feel a sense of inclusion there. I recently met a young Black man who works at CU's new Center for African and African American Studies, also known as the COS. Alizar Gibber Michael grew up in Aurora and was an undergrad at CU Boulder a couple of years ago. I graduated in 2021. I studied in integrative physiology. So it was I was here around the time of COVID and then I was also here around the time of uh the you know the BLM movement and BLM yes, Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter movement exactly. I grew up in uh, uh, Aurora. Originally I was born in Ethiopia, East Africa. Um mm. specifically from the tribe Tigray. And I came here when I was around seven, just because my parents wanted a better education for me and a better life in general. So as a black man mm -hmm. growing up in Aurora, Colorado, yeah, yeah. what made you choose CU Boulder for your college experience? To be honest, <laughs> I wanted to get a little bit of freedom from uh, <laughs> just my family a little bit. You know, I, I love my family. I, uh, I, I, you know, I was there. 18 years, and I just wanted to kind of put some distance and, and just, you know, so I can, Wings. yeah, just so I can learn, like, you know, who I am as a person and, and discover, you know, do new things and get different experiences. And also, I had uh, some family and uh, 
older like cousins and stuff who went to CU Boulder specifically. Mm. I really didn't get, I didn't have a good idea of what it was like to be at CU though until I got here. That was my next question. Yeah, what, yeah, were yeah. Your, what was your impression of CU mm. and the city of Boulder? First and foremost, I thought it was beautiful. I loved the, the you know, the mountain view and, and uh, just even the, the the buildings and just everything was was so beautiful about it. And I, I loved I loved running. So I it was a really great place for me to like run in the mornings and stuff. However, it was a bit of a culture shock as you you know you may expect. I only grew up around black people pretty much. Even when I was in Aurora, which is you know pretty diverse. Aurora I had, is the most diverse yes. city in the state of Colorado. Exactly, exactly. And so the Ethiopian community or the Togar community, we were really close knit and we, we, we stick t- together. And so mm. those are the people I grew up around. When I came here, it, it was a culture shock. I uh, felt like alone. I didn't really know who to turn to. Uh, my grades were slipping, you know, first and second semester. It was not until I found ASA, BSA, and some other uh, like black staff and faculty where I really found a community uh, and my people uh, to kind of help me. And it, it truly did. It, 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 I'm, I got my grades up and it was just like a great uh, way to foster community and feel like I belonged at CU. And how did that evolve over your tenure here at CU Boulder as a student? I basically found who I was here, like figured out my, learned more about my identity as a black individual because I was kind of put in this place where I, you know, I was isolated and I was one of the only black people in my class. I studied integrated physiology, which is, the demographic is typically like white, you know, so it it forced me to really reconcile with my own identity, not only like within Boulder, but just as the U in the U.S. in general. But over time, um, because I found my community, I, um, really did enjoy CU Boulder specifically fully. So what I'm getting a sense is you started yeah. it was culture shock. Yeah. But you connected with other people of color, exactly. including faculty and students. Exactly. And that helped you become more comfortable. Exactly. Yes, it did. hundred percent. In terms of the campus itself or the university, did you see any changes or yes. evolution of being more supportive or welcoming to I students think, of color? I think typically with these types of things, it, it usually there's a specific thing that is a, a catalyst to these like movements. And it's it for us, especially for me, it was when I saw a group of my friends or folks I knew get harassed. This white lady had come into a uh, study area for engineering students and had called them the N-word. And that really took a toll on, on a lot of black students here. And we wrote up a list of, list of demands and we kind of took it up to the leaders of the campus. And that's when things started shifting on campus. Uh, what year was that? I want to say like around 2020 to 2021. Around mm-hmm. that time, 2020, I think it was. It was like right before COVID. So it's maybe 2019. It was around that time. And that's when lots of conversations about race were starting here on campus. It's unfortunate because it had to happen after a, like a traumatic event that's how the cause sort of like started through those students. So do you feel the lack of diversity yeah. helped and continues to help some students, I guess, connect through the isolation or not feeling a sense of belonging? Like, does it become sort of a catalyst to connect with other people of color on the campus? For folks that are lucky enough to find the community, it definitely is helpful and it's supportive. But even through my experience now, it is still difficult because a lot of black students still, you know, live on 
in predominantly white like dormitories mm-hmm. or Residence you know like hall. residence halls mm-hmm. exactly and so it as a whole i think it does kind of force us to come together dr rabaka who runs the center for african and african american studies on the campus gave us a tour on colorado matters and talked about how difficult it was sometimes to get donations to the center and the school because many of the students of color said, I didn't have a positive experience. Mm -hmm. Why would I give money to this school that they didn't feel was welcoming to them? Yet you graduated and Mm -hmm. you're still here. Mm -hmm. So obviously you did not take that approach. So you graduated and you've decided to stay on this campus. Why? I think I had an experience that might be unique. I, I really did enjoy I found community. I was able to find folks that looked like me, found staff, faculty that looked like me and that was supporting me. I decided to come back because I knew how significant a, a space like the cause was to students of color, specifically black students. When I came back, I it was amazing because I knew I needed, this is a place that me and my friends could have utilized and could have used and, and it would have been a place where we felt safe. What type of things could be done outside of the cause that would have made a difference for you? One, I will say, the one thing is there were no black faculty outside of ethnic studies and other departments like that. I was in STEM. Most of my friends were in STEM. No black faculty, absolutely none. I uh, felt like I really couldn't connect to any of the professors. In some ways, I did have a few instances of microaggressions and racism from professors as well. Um, Another thing is I think there needs to be resources for people of color and uh, black students on campus to be able to afford housing and, and um, to be able to live in Boulder and actually be comfortable in, in, in going to class here. Because a lot of people, a lot of a lot of the people of color that I know are commuting from Aurora or Denver or West Because they can't afford they the can't cost afford of living in Boulder. In Bo- exactly. They cannot afford it. So what do you make of all of the attention being given right now to the CU Buffs, Coach Prime, mm-hmm. and kind of that whole scene what are your thoughts about it? How does it make you feel I, looking at the totality of your experience with yeah. this campus? Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's wonderful that we have Coach Prime here. I think it's a very fun and enjoyable kind of space for a lot of black students here that that want to see a successful black man who is like, you know, head coach and um especially as famous as Coach Prime. I do know that some people are conflating his presence here to the, the work and, and hard work that other folks have been doing on campus, like the cause or, or, or other black initiatives or um, DEI initiatives, I would mm-hmm. say. Like, you know, there needs to be that distinction. But I do love to see Coach Prime and all that, that whole hype here. It is fun. It is. It's powerful, you know. Is it enough? For, for DEI and for – no, definitely not. <laughs> I don't think there's – I personally haven't seen any 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 change, you know, in that scope of things. I've definitely seen the football team get get better. Um, you know, <laughs> well, like, yeah, yeah, you know, there's more I wins. Think in the first three games, we realized that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that part is, is taken care yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, and I I see like a little bit, like maybe fifty to hundred more black students on campus, but it, it definitely isn't enough, though. I'll, I'll say that. But what's your hope? What would you like to see? What's your dream and vision for this? I, yeah, I want to see that retention rate go up. I want to see the population of Boulder, not only CU itself, but Boulder itself, to be more of a diverse demographic. Well, if you were in a big meeting, talking to the leadership, 
and sharing your voice and your perspective about what they should be looking at in terms of the Black experience on the CU Boulder campus as a student, professor, staff member, mm -hmm. what would you say? I would honestly just be able to say like, take a step back, really look at the struggles of the individual students, of the, of the students of color, and see where, you, you know, what you can do with your power to change that. Yeah. Alazar, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Alazar Gevermichael is a CU Boulder alum who now works at CU's Center for African and African American Studies, also known as the CAUSE. After the break, I sit down with CU's Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. There are a variety of ways you can support CPR. One is to give through a transfer of appreciated stocks, which may also come with tax benefits. The easiest way to make an impact with this kind of gift is to have your broker electronically transfer the stock from your account to ours. So please be sure to let us know if you do donate so we can thank you. Learn more on the support page at CPR.org. This is Colorado Matters on CPR News and KRCC. I'm Chandra Thomas-Whitfield. Today we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion at the University of Colorado Boulder. Our next guest oversees the student experience in her role as Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs. Deandra Moll, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Chandra. I appreciate being here. You've worked in the Division of Student Affairs since last summer. Tell us, how would you say you have observed the culture on the campus evolve over these past few months since Coach Prime has taken the helm as CU Buffs coach? How has that impacted the work that you do? Well, I will say watching Coach Prime is a phenomenon in and of itself. I've had the privilege of working in higher education student affairs for more than two decades. Mm. And to see a coach come in and care about building men and not simply building athletes is amazing. I think that there are a lot of folks who are taking note of that and the way that he shows up, the way that his player shows up. Yes, he is prime in all those ways. And at the same time, he cares about students. Um, I will say that it extends beyond his work on the field. I watch how students have gained the sense of pride, regardless of whether they come from or their background, about him simply being here and watching that just emanate throughout the campus culture. How has it impacted recruiting students, all students, but especially students of color? Is it much easier right now? You know, we know applications are pouring into the athletics department, but what about in terms of non-athletes? How does CU Boulder make this more than a sports moment? So with regard to what we're seeing, we are seeing a great increase in our number of students of color who are applying to the university and those who are selecting to come to CU Boulder. I think that's a direct reflection of being out, able to look out and see mirrors of yourselves, whether that's on the football field by seeing other students of color or in the stands as well. When you're walking across campus, I will say for me, it is notably different. Mm. I am seeing far more diverse, even groups of students as they're walking. So it certainly has its impacts. We're seeing in the number of students who are applying here, but we're also seeing it even in this first year wave of the class of what we would have expected last year with regard to diversity and what we actually had for students who chose us. I want to get more into what you are doing to support this diversity, but I have to ask, how has the recent Supreme Court ruling that race cannot be factored into the college admissions process affected the recruitment piece? Are you all doing anything to help achieve a more diverse student pool in light of that ruling? 
Well, I want to make sure that we're separating out the two because the Supreme Court ruling, I think, was stunning to a lot of people who work in higher education student affairs, because Mm -hmm. we know that it certainly changes the way in which we would be able to admit students. However, it does not change our recruiting factor. Mm -hmm. In fact, it should make us work a bit harder because nothing in the ruling says you cannot recruit students. It says admissions in terms of the way admissions happen Mm -hmm. have to happen almost in a different silo than what they've happened before. However, I believe this is actually a moment for us to be able to recruit a bit differently and a bit more aggressively for those students who we know deserve to be here. And we want to be here helping to make sure our student body is um, the best that it can be. So for us, it allows us to double down on our commitment. It certainly allows us to talk about what it means to really be here and to be a, a student in the CU Boulder family, what it means to be above. It allows us to tell our story better. Well, you mentioned double down. Can you give me an example of some ways that you can ensure this more diverse student pool? I think that DEI is a student success strategy. When student bodies are more diverse, everyone wins. So for us, we're making sure that we are recruiting a student body that reflects the world that they're going into upon graduation. I strongly believe that students come to grow and when they leave, they should be well prepared to bloom. So for us, when we're looking at the students that we're recruiting to Boulder, this allows us to go out and look across not only the state, but the country and say, these are students we really want here. We have a new uh, Associate Vice Chancellor for Enrollment Management and that is Amy Hutton. Our team at Student Affairs and the university-wide team for our Strategic Enrollment Management Committee is already looking at ways that we can increase our strategy. For me personally, when I see a high-achieving student across the state or across the nation, I actually send them congratulations messages, whether it's email, whatever the social media trend may be at that moment that I can reach a student, because I want them to know that we see them. In order for a student to feel seen once they're here, we have to see them before they get here. And we also know that there are other strategies we have to put into place. So our recruiting strategy with the deans across the schools is really important for how we're asking students to join our community. We've done that with regard to some of the outreach. So we have more early arrival programs. So how do we make sure we are creating spaces for students coming from diverse backgrounds to really come in and find their why? We certainly understand that the what to what's happening is we want them to get a college degree. But students coming to Boulder need to also understand the why of why they're here. And so we're leading to more personal touches, whether it's phone calls, whether it's emails, whether it's letters to students, whether it's leaning into Coach Prime to say, hey, we understand you recruit amazing student athletes. We also want you, as much as you can, help us to also get out the word about how CU Boulder is an amazing place for any student to visit. Mm -hmm. So for us, just doubling down on our strategies of high touch to students has been really important for us in this initial wave. Well, the latest figures released by CU say that the enrolled student population at the University of Colorado Boulder in terms of race and ethnicity is 3% Black and African American, Uh 13% Hispanic Latino, and 65% White. Now, 3% of Black students is pretty small, especially when you compare that to 60% being white. And even the number of Latino students is in the double digits. So back to what you were talking about earlier, what is CU Boulder doing in terms of resources, programming to support diverse students and making sure that they come to the school, but also stay at the school? And you mentioned specifically graduating from the school. Are there any new initiatives and efforts underway? For me, when I think about what we're doing to really make sure that not only are we recruiting a great student body, but they were also able to retain them in the space, I break it down into a bucket of what I've named the four M's. So those would be money, mirrors, moments, and mobility. Money. 
What does financial aid look like for students across the board? We know that resources are certainly limited for some communities, certainly limited for some students, certainly limited for some universities. And CU Boulder has made a commitment to provide scholarship dollars um, in various ways to make sure we're recruiting various students to campus. And that's at the, both the undergraduate, graduate, and professional school level. So that's really important. Money makes a difference. I know that myself, I'm a first-generation student. I'm also an African-American woman. When I was choosing universities, Things that stuck out to me was, can I afford to attend? Mm. What does the financial aid package look like? Those were very important as, as again, as a first-generation student. The second were mirrors. What does it look like to look on a campus and see myself? I want to be seen and I want to be heard. So as we look across campus, what does that look like? You mentioned 3% of our student body is Black. We also have Black faculty and staff who are also here trying to be welcoming to our students who are coming in as well. But we have to make sure that we have mirrors for our students. CU Boulder is doing it in a number of ways. We're looking at our early arrival programs. We're looking at our first generation initiatives. We're working across the colleges. The colleges are working very hard to make sure that they have student clubs, organizations, affinity spaces for students of color. We have our Center for Involvement and Social Change. That is a space where students can look in and see student organizations that are specifically geared toward their identity bases. They have staff who certainly understand a lot of their experiences. And so we have CISC as well. We also have um, very directed efforts with regard to some of our learning communities. We have living learning communities within the residence halls that are identity based as well. Those mirrors make a difference because as a student navigates campus, you don't want to do it alone. Students know that coming in, they had to find a sense of community. And so that leads me to my third M, which is the moments. How are we creating moments for our students to really come in and see themselves? Do we have cultural month celebrations, which we do? Do we have opportunities for students to do culturally based service learning trips, which we're building? Do we have opportunities for them to really connect with our academic units, which is what we're doing through spaces like the cause, the Center for African-American and African Studies? Mm. Do we have opportunities for students to really understand the moments that they're engaged in in ways that helps them want to not only when they leave, because I firmly believe that if we do this well, we give students the moments that they need to be successful. They don't just leave as graduates, they leave as alumni. Alumni come back, give back, recruit, and make sure that they're becoming the mirror that I described earlier. And then finally, it's mobility. When students are choosing universities, they're choosing career paths. Now that may change for them, but ultimately, no matter your degree path, you have to come to a university and feel that you have the mobility that's needed to go from where you are sitting currently as a student to where you want to be once you graduate. So for us, making sure that we have strong career services, that mm. our faculty and staff who are literally top notch are really geared toward those students in both the cultural and the academic spaces in ways that help them understand that they have the mobility opportunities and framework that's necessary for their success. I strongly believe that we become richer when we have communities of color and communities at large around us who are certainly challenging us in ways that helps us to really think about the experience holistically. Right now with the numbers where there are, I know that we have, again, a great amount of work to do as we think about what that looks like. But for students to be able to walk around campus or walk across the city of Boulder and see others look like them, that matters. It matters for the student who is considering Boulder. It matters for the staff person who is. It matters for the faculty member who is considering raising a family here. Diversity does matter and it does pay dividends. So I believe that ultimately not only will Boulder benefit the students and faculty and staff who are impacted by seeing others who look like themselves in the space also benefit. There is no downside to us working to really increase who we are as a collective organization, both within the city and the university. I was on the campus during the 2013-2014 school year, completing a journalism fellowship at the Center for Environmental Journalism. And I was able to audit some undergraduate classes, and 
I must say that many of the black students I encountered were not enjoying their college experience. They talked about the lack of inclusion, micro and even macro aggressions almost daily. And many did not feel comfortable expressing their feelings with campus leadership. Is there a forum for less represented groups to share their experiences, perspectives, grievances with leadership? What is your team doing in that area? Yes, so we do a lot of direct outreach to students to make sure that we're reaching not only our underserved students, but also their parents and families. So we send out newsletters. We have specific newsletters for their affinity groups. We have it for their cultural groups as well. And I spend a lot of time getting out and talking to students as well as the staff in the division, because you're right. Even myself, as a Black student navigating a predominantly white institution, I don't think I always understood what it meant to go. I think that we sometimes have this belief that students, when they become 18, magically become adults and they're ready for all aspects of the world. Sometimes students don't know where to go for things. And so when they're upset, what they do is they actually get with students who they also know are mm. feeling some of the same ways. And there's a commiseration around that. So we're spending a lot of time doing direct outreach to them to make sure that they feel seen, that they are heard, and they are included. Um, I always believe that students don't just come to universities for education. They come for an educational experience. And so we have to make sure that when we hear from students and when we go out and find out that our students are not experiencing things in the way that we would have them ideally to do so, we have to be okay with admitting that there are times that we may have fallen short and figure out how we regroup in a way that allows them to feel centered and seen. So once you get them to be open to sharing the feedback and being, you know, taking a more proactive approach to concerns, what happens? Do you all have a process for handling that feedback? Like basically what happens to that feedback? We do. So we do a lot of surveying across the university um, within, again, the Division of Student Affairs and just see you boulder across the bat. Uh, we can ask some very direct questions so we can figure out if students in Group A are experiencing the university differently than Group B. And then we can make decisions based upon that. I'm particularly thinking of surveys within our residential communities. What we heard from students years back is that they wanted a cultural context in their residential halls that we did not offer. We actually built residence experiences from that, meaning we built a living learning community that really does foster diverse communities and spaces where they can simply thrive in a space of their own. So when we're hearing from students, we're, we're asking for the sake of making sure we make things better and not just asking just to do a survey every few years. I know that there can be some survey fatigue as well, but I do need students to know we actually take that data and make things happen because of it. We were hearing from students more recently that they really wanted, within the Division of Student Affairs, staffing specifically related to African-American and African students, students from the African diaspora, to have a dedicated staff person. We currently are posting a position specifically to work with and serve students within the African diaspora. So for us, making sure that what we hear from them, we're taking that and we're making meaning of it. That's how a lot of our cultural organizations emerge. We are turning every corner and flipping over every rug to figure out how once we get students here, how we keep them engaged, not simply to graduate them, but to also engage them while they're here, because this is their moment. And we have to make sure that they feel that the university is doing all we can to have them feel as included and as engaged as the person sitting next to them. Now, one former student, a black man, told us that while he was a student at CU Boulder, that there was a racial incident in the dormitory that sort of catapulted him into getting more involved in campus leadership. Have there been any racial incidents on campus in recent years related to black students? And can you walk us through the process that your team has in place to investigate such incidents? Yes. Yeah, so I have been here since June 
And while we always hear rumblings of some dissatisfaction, incidents that are reported are immediately sent over to our Office of Institutional Equity to make sure that students, where there's a claim of bias, we can address it pretty quickly. I have not personally heard of anything that has risen to my ears. And I say that because that doesn't mean the students don't experience it. They do. There are things that I know that I experienced as a student that I didn't report, right? So I don't want to say it doesn't happen, but I also know that when we hear incidents, our OIEC um, area really makes sure that they're reaching out to students. And we also try to make sure there's education that follows beyond the support. We also work with student support and case management, which is in the Division of Student Affairs, to get students supported when we hear about any incident that has been disruptive to their journey here at the university. Now, we've talked to some current and former students of color on your campus, and they have spoken about a desire to not only be better supported as students, but also how much it would mean or would have meant for them to have more faculty that look like them, so to speak, at CU Boulder. It's often referred to as the cohort effect. Mm -hmm. What are you and the leadership doing to get more racial diversity among the faculty and staff, especially in departments and disciplines like, say, STEM, where diversity isn't necessarily always as prevalent? I 100 percent understand students when they say that. They are right. There are opportunities for us to diversify our campus, and we have to make sure we're recruiting first. It's not simply getting someone to the line to be hired. It's getting them into the network, into the pipeline to even be recruited. It's worth noting, and I can also say since I've been here, I have noticed that there are strong efforts. I will say when I was recruited to apply for this role, it also stuck out to me what the diversity looked like here. What really motivated me to pursue this opportunity and then to accept it was that I talked to deans, I talked to the provost, I talked to the chancellor, I talked to the vice chancellors. Not one soul that I met with regard to this at university administration did not understand that we had work to do and wanted to do it. That makes a big difference. I believe I have a strong cohort of folks around campus who are absolutely committed to making sure we look differently today than we did yesterday. Boulder is notoriously known for being an uber expensive place to live even for faculty and staff. One former student told us that many of the diverse students, if they can even afford to enroll at all, end up having to work side jobs in addition to juggling their schooling. And many have to commute from the surrounding areas because they simply cannot afford to live in Boulder. What is your team doing in terms of housing support and resources? Students are not wrong. Boulder is a very expensive city. If we look at nationally, we we rank among the top um, cities in areas such as ours. So yes, that is not incorrect. What I do appreciate that on campus, we do have the ability for our students who are first year students to live on campus. We think that that's really important for them. It's a requirement actually. Mm. Retention rates are higher when students live on campus. So for us, that was really critical. We want students to first get to know the campus and get to know the Boulder community at large. We also have an off campus, a commuter student housing department that really works to make sure that our students who are moving off campus know the variety of housing options they have. Some students may look for a single, others may live with four to five other students. So I do believe that it becomes more affordable as you have more roommates who are available to live together, but it is very expensive and we try to introduce them to various options and we provide them with listings of um, apartments and houses in the area so they can make informed decisions about where they choose to live. Speaking to the point about a lot of the students seeking employment and having to juggle jobs and schooling and now you're talking about a commute, it seems like, you know, outside of just that being stressful, it 
did seem to suggest that they had trouble connecting on campus because they're always, you know, running off or having mm-hmm. to rush to another city and not living there. So what about support for, say, like work study or other employment opportunities for students that would allow them to at least work on or near the campus? What is your team doing in regards to support in that area? Our team is working really hard to make sure both work study and non-work study options are available for students. They can work within our residence halls. They can work within our dining facilities. They can work within libraries. They can work for athletics. They can work directly with Dion's team. There are lots of options for students who choose to work on campus and beyond. Um, even in the immediate Boulder area, you'll, you'll see a lot of employers are still searching for students. We've also found that more students are looking at non-traditional work options. And what I mean by that is they're looking at internships, they're looking at externships and study abroad. Those are also a part of gaining the experiences they need. So for those students who want to get world experiences, we also encourage that even beyond the employment segment. But there are lots of opportunities for our students to get involved and they can work directly with our career services offices to look for um, opportunities, not only on campus and off campus, but even beyond. We do recognize that we do have students who will need to work. I was a student who worked during college as well. So I understand um, the balance of that. And we try to make sure we have programming to the point you made earlier about students who are leaving campus. And then it's harder to come back to campus. So we make sure that we have programming that's available earlier in the evenings and throughout the day so that when students do choose to go home or have to go home, they're not feeling conflicted with having to come back to campus. So we try to make it convenient. We have commuter spaces where they can come hang out so that they don't um, have to completely disconnect and go home in the event that they live a mile or more away from campus. We try to make sure that there are different programs that um, have food available for them as well. So we do understand um, that our campus is not simply for students who live on campus traditionally, but those who live in the surrounding communities and even beyond. Deandra, thank you for joining us. Thank you, I appreciate your time. Deandra Moll, who has served as Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs at CU Boulder since June. She spoke with us about what the school is doing to better recruit, retain, and support diverse faculty, staff, and students, particularly Black students, who currently make up 3% of the student population on the CU Boulder campus. We'll continue our discussion tomorrow with CU President Todd Solomon and CU Regent Wanda James. Special thanks to producer Rachel Estabrook. Thanks for listening. I'm Chandra Thomas-Woodfield. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC.